Lord's Day 42. We're also going to read from the Canons of Dort, chapter 5, article 4. In Lord's Day 52, we confess the following. What is the sixth petition? And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That is, in ourselves, we are so weak that we cannot stand even for a moment. Moreover, our sworn enemies, the devil, the world, and our own flesh, do not cease to attack us. Will you, therefore, uphold and strengthen us by the power of your Holy Spirit, so that in this spiritual war we may not go down to defeat, but always firmly resist our enemies until we finally obtain the complete victory? How do you conclude your prayer? For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. That is, all this we ask of you, because as our King, Having power over all things, you are both willing and able to give us all that is good. And because not we, but your holy name, should so receive all glory forever. What does the word Amen mean? Amen means it is true and certain. For God has much more certainly heard my prayer than I feel in my heart that I desire this of him. And we'll also turn to the Cans of Dort, chapter 5. Article 4, that's on page 583 in the back of your book of praise. And the title above this article is, Saints May Fall Into Serious Sins. And here we confess, although the power of God, whereby he confirms and preserves true believers in grace, is so great that it cannot be conquered by the flesh, Yet, the converted are not always so led and moved by God that they cannot, in certain particular actions, turn aside through their own fault from the guidance of grace and be seduced by and yield to the lusts of the flesh. They must, therefore, constantly watch and pray that they may not be led into temptation. When they do not watch and pray, They not only can be drawn away by the flesh, the world, and Satan into serious and atrocious sins, but with the righteous permission of God are sometimes actually drawn away. The lamentable fall of David, Peter, and other saints described in Holy Scripture demonstrates this. Brothers and sisters, in our Lord Jesus Christ, Scripture and our confessions, Lord's Day 52, teach us that as followers of Jesus Christ, we are living in a war zone. We stand in the middle of temptations that come to us via Satan, via the world, and via our own sinful nature. And in the middle of this battle, the Lord Jesus teaches us to pray, lead us not into temptation. And in this Lord's Day, we confess that we need this petition because we are weak in ourselves. We, in fact, we are so weak we cannot even stand for a moment of our, by ourselves. 
And so this petition leaves no room for pride, no room for boasting, no room for relying on personal willpower and self-determination. And yet, congregation, when you carry the name Christian, you have the mark of Christ on your forehead, the mark of baptism. You are called also to be a warrior in the army of God. That means you are called to fight against sin and against temptation. Indeed, you must hate it and flee from it. And that is why we need this petition. We need it because we are weak and vulnerable, and it is only in Christ that we can win that battle. So I proclaim to you God's word. Our Lord Jesus Christ teaches us to trust in him in a world full of temptations. Because first, we are weak. Secondly, our enemy is strong. But finally, in Christ, we are victorious. So, congregation, this prayer, this petition is given to us as a, as a weapon in our battle against sin and temptation. We've been given this prayer to help us make the right choices in this battle. It is a mighty weapon for weak soldiers. And at this point we could ask the question, well, isn't it true that when God gives you faith that he will also preserve you in the faith? We just read an article from the last chapter of the Canons of Dort, and the title of that last chapter is The Perseverance of the Saints. Does the Lord not protect those whom he has chosen? Does the Lord not preserve his saints? Doesn't Paul write in Romans 8 that nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus? So can we not conclude then that if we believe in God, we don't have to be concerned about our eternal salvation? Well, congregation, if we find ourselves in a position where we think that our sins are not so bad, then we're in a bad place. If you walk out of church this afternoon thinking to yourself, I sure hope so-and-so was listening very carefully because they needed to hear this, then you're in a bad place. If we find ourselves clinging to sinful habits and we find it easy to shrug off our sinful habits, then we're in a dangerous position, a position of pride. And as we just read from Luke chapter 22, pride comes before the fall. We know that from personal experience, but also from this this story about the Apostle Peter. On the night before his crucifixion, the Lord Jesus told his disciples that they would all fall away. They would all forsake him. And Peter said, no, not me, Lord. I will. I am faithful. That will never happen to me. I will not forsake you. But Peter was very wrong about himself. He let his master struggle all on his own in the Garden of Gethsemane. He slept while his master sweated blood. And then the Lord even said to him, pray that you will not enter into temptation. But Peter and his friends were sleeping. They didn't see the need for prayer. And they weren't strong enough to stay awake. And so they fell into temptation. What do we learn from this congregation? We learn from this that without prayer, we cannot stand. Without prayer, we are very vulnerable and we are weak. So constant vigilance and prayer is seriously necessary. The Lord didn't give us this petition for nothing. He didn't teach us to pray this petition for no good reason. On the contrary, he knows how weak we are. 
Psalm 103 tells us the Lord knows that we are made from dust. He knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. We're, we're vulnerable. We're made from perishable material. We're like grass. When the hot wind comes, it, it withers and fades and blows away and it's gone. The Lord himself knows and he tells us that we are weak. Even when we believe, when we have faith, we're not there yet. Peter found that out too. And he certainly wasn't the only one. We are as vulnerable as he. And that's why we confess in the canons of Dort that we must constantly watch and pray that we are not led into temptation. Because if we don't, then we become susceptible to temptation. When we don't watch and pray, we're easily drawn away by our own sinful nature, by the world, and by Satan into serious and atrocious sins. And that happens all too easily, doesn't it? Temptations are, are like fishing hooks with a, with a tasty bait on the end. Right? When a fish sees a worm, it goes for the worm, not realizing that there's a hook in there. And that's how Satan tempts us too. He dangles all kinds of delicious mor- morsels in front of you hoping that you will take the bait because he knows that forbidden fruit is sweet. That's what he told Adam and Eve too. Eat this fruit, you will become like God. Oh, that sounds so good. Boys and girls, haven't you often thought to yourself that you know it better than dad and mom? Maybe sometimes you've even told them that. And isn't it true that Satan, the world, and our own flesh tempts us to to do things that feel good, listen to things that, that, that sound good, eat and drink things that make us feel good, even though we know that the Bible says these things you should not be doing. So these three enemies, they tempt us. They tempt us. They tempt you to indulge in premarital sex. Everybody else does it anyway. Or to listen to questionable lyrics and watch questionable movies with poor content or ungodly content. After all, what's the big deal? The tune's pretty catchy and and we don't believe the lyrics anyway. And so you begin to compromise your principles. And that's how Satan reels you in, little by little. He whittles away at your conscience. Right? You don't really have to give so much to the church because there's plenty of people with lots of money. They can take care of the budget too. After all, I need my money for, for this and for that. Or you may be tempted to compromise your Christian principles just so you can keep a good customer or, keep, or, or win a big contract. There's so many ways in which we are vulnerable to temptation we, we crave things that aren't good for us. Even though the Lord gives us many blessings to enjoy. But our default position is that we want more. And we want better. We want the next upgrade. Or we want God's blessing in a way that he doesn't permit. Married men looking with lust at other women. Or women looking for attention from other men. Right? We so easily step over the line to get what we want. And then we get angry or upset when things don't go our way. Right? We don't want our parents or the elders or the government or our teacher to tell us what to do. 
And Satan knows this. And he loves to get you on the hook with a tasty lure so he can reel you in. And when you give in, when you go for the bait, he's got you right where he wants you. That's what James writes in James chapter 1. Each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. That's what happens when we swallow the bait of temptation. Let me give another illustration from Scripture. In 2 Samuel 24, verse 1, we read that the anger of the Lord was roused against Israel, and he, he moved David against them to say, Go and number Israel and Judah. And in 1 Chronicles 21, we read about the same event, but there it says, Satan stood up against Israel and moved David to number Israel. So what this means is that while Satan is the one who actively tempted David, at the same time it is God who allowed this temptation to happen. And that's a serious thing, congregation. We should never think, I am able to stand in the face of temptation. I'm not that way. I won't fall. Jesus told his disciples, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. That's difficult for us to admit, isn't it? It's hard to admit, you know, this movie is too dangerous for me. I shouldn't watch it. Or perhaps this friend doesn't have a good influence on me and, and maybe, I should, maybe I should cut off some of that influence, not spend so much time with that friend. Or this place where I'm often tempted. I shouldn't go there. But it's difficult to admit that, isn't it? All, all too often our attitude is, I can handle it. And I'm, I'll just make sure I don't go too far. I can handle then temptation. That's what Peter thought too. He just couldn't admit that he also was susceptible, just like the other disciples. Even if they all fall away, I will not fall away. You can almost hear him say it, can't you? I'm not that way. He did not find it necessary to pray, lead me not into temptation. Even though Jesus had warned him, Satan demands to have you because he wants to sift you like wheat. Jesus warned him ahead of time. And he said, watch and pray. Make sure that Satan doesn't trick you into thinking that you're strong. But Peter didn't see the need for prayer, and so he fell asleep. And that weakness is our weakness too, isn't it? We're defective people. Our faith is not perfect. We don't have the zeal that God requires of us. And so we have to fight against the weakness of our faith and the wrong desires to, that creep into our heart. And that's why the weapon of prayer is so absolutely essential that we seek the support and help from the Lord. We need that help. As we confessed already in Lord's Day 45, God gives his grace and Holy Spirit only to those who with heartfelt longing ask him for these things and thank him for them. We are weak soldiers in the middle of a desperate battle against a strong enemy and we need this help. And that's what the, Jesus teaches us in the second half of that petition. He teaches us to pray for deliverance from the evil one. 
Because this enemy is strong. And he warns us repeatedly in scripture against this enemy. He calls Satan the ruler of this world. And we know from Revelation 12 that Satan has been cast out of heaven. But now he is, he is going around on this, on this earth, like Peter writes, like a roaring lion. Seeking church members who will take his bait. And he has a great force at his disposal to conquer the church if he could. And that's why the Apostle Paul tells us that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and powers in the spiritual realm, Ephesians 6. And that's why this enemy is so dangerous. He has so many tools at his disposal. Right? He can bring temptation through, through persecution, making it difficult for you to confess your faith in the face of scorn or ridicule. He can lure you away from God by, by tempting you with material wealth. Or he can tempt you to give up on God like he did try to do with Job. Or tempt you with pride like he did with David. And he loves to use our weaknesses. He loves to destroy our relationships, our selfishness, to get us to stop giving and sacrificing to one another. Or to use our tongue to destroy one another. Sometimes he's brutal and cruel as he was with Job, and sometimes he masquerades as an angel of light. And he's busy, and his demons are busy, seeking to get God's people to compromise with the world, and to give up on God's promises, and to think that God doesn't care about us. Well, it's weak. We, it's true, we are very weak. The congregation, do you want the devil to win? Do we not want to fight against our weaknesses and temptations and sin? Do we not want to fight against the devil? That's what God asks us to do. In Ephesians 6, we're called to stand and fight. We are Christian soldiers in the army of Christ, and we're called to put on the armor of God, to lift the shield of faith, and to wield the sword of the Spirit, to wrestle with the devil. And that's a tall order, and it's hard to do. It's hard to do when you're raising children in a world that is full of temptation. Wrestling with sin is hard. Because you have to wrestle with yourself, but you're also wrestling with the hearts of your children and your grandchildren. You can't just grudgingly give in. If they want something that you know that's not good for them, and you can't just, can't just tell them no without an explanation, without talking to them about why you have to say no. We're constantly wrestling with our own heart and, and for the hearts of our children and, and the hearts of our brothers and sisters in the Lord. It takes effort. It takes wrestling to do the right thing. And, and it takes prayer. Much prayer. And humility and grace. Because we don't like to admit when we're wrong. And it's easier not to wrestle with sin. Right? The easiest thing is to give in to temptation. And there are so many of them out there because Satan is strong and, and the world is full of temptation. Satan's a fanatic and he's busy, congregation, he's busy, he's busy right here. He doesn't have to be busy out there, outside of the walls of the church. I mean, why does he have to be busy with unbelievers? But he concentrates his energy on the church and the people of God. Peter found that out. David discovered that and so many others and we know it too. 
Right? And we know what happens when we give up on the fight against sin. Then life becomes really miserable. So let's not give up the fight. But flee to God in prayer. For in Christ the victory is also certain. We confess that as well in this Lord's Day. And again, the question might come up in your mind, are we really safe from temptation? After all, the Lord had something to do with the temptation of Job. And he certainly incited David to count the people. And it's true, too, though, that Satan incites, for example, false preachers to deceive the church. Read about that in Deuteronomy 13. There it says that if the Lord sends a false prophet among you, that means he is testing you to know whether or not you love the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul. So sometimes it is the Lord who makes life difficult for you. He made it difficult for Job. It was hard for Abraham when God asked him to sacrifice his son Isaac. How are we to think about this? Well, congregation, we need to go back to Lord's Day 9. And keep in mind that our Father in heaven is our Father for the sake of Christ his Son. And for the sake of Christ his Son, he will not let us go. In 1 Corinthians 10.13, he promises us that he is faithful He will not let us be tempted beyond our ability, but with the temptation will also provide us with a way of escape. And the fact that God is our Father for Christ's sake, that is what makes all the difference. Because imagine if God tested you as the God of wrath. Then you would be utterly destroyed. But when He tests you as your loving Father in Christ, then He also guarantees the outcome. He ensures that our faith is strengthened and that we grow in holiness. And it is, it is precisely through difficulties and struggles and sorrows that the Lord brings you closer to him and teaches you better to discern between what is true and what is false, what is right and what is wrong. By calling us to wrestle with sin, God teaches us to learn the truth. And this is true for individual believers, but for the church as a whole as well. Wrestling with sin produces steadfastness. And, says James, the effect of steadfastness is to make us perfect and complete. But that can only happen through testing. Testing that comes from the hand of our Heavenly Father. And that congregation, that should give us courage then. Courage to enter the battle with confidence. We have the armor of God and we have the weapon of prayer. And so in faith, we flee to God who is both able and willing to help us. In the Old Testament, the church enjoyed a a special protection from God. As Israel traveled from Egypt to the promised land, they had escaped from the fury of Pharaoh into the wilderness. And in, in the wilderness, the Lord gave them everything they needed. Today, too, the church is in the wilderness. It's not a nice place to be. It wasn't for Israel either in the Old Testament. They found out, too, that you're not always safe in the wilderness. There's temptation there, too. 
But what is most important to keep in mind, congregation, is that God protects his church. In the Old Testament, he gave them manna, but he also gave them his word and his covenant. And he has given us the true manna, Christ, who is the bread from heaven. And one thing is certain. If we are a praying people, and the church is a praying church, God will bring us to the promised land. Israel experienced that firsthand. And all God's people who die in the Lord experience that as well. And we may trust and believe that the Lord will bring us there too. And so let's be encouraged to keep on fighting, to take up the battle again every day with vigor and in faith. Often we may be tempted to give up even before we've started. You sometimes tell us it's no use. I'm going to lose the battle anyway. Congregation, that's not the language of faith. God wants you to fight. And he calls you into the battle and he equips you. He gives you the weapon of prayer so that you can receive strength from the spirit of Christ to wrestle against sin and Satan. So let's be people of prayer. Let's make a commitment that we are people of prayer, people who are busy in prayer for ourselves, for our marriages, for our children, for our grandchildren, for the church, and for the kingdom of God. Use the means that God has given you. He has given you this this mighty weapon. And continue to listen to the preaching of God's word. And remember the promises that he made to you when you were baptized. And taste and see the evidence of his goodness whenever we celebrate the Lord's Supper. He supplies you with all that you need to be engaged in the battle. So let's use those means with thankfulness and courage. For our God is with us. And our Savior has already guaranteed the outcome of the battle. To him belongs the kingdom and the power and the glory. Amen.